theyeshiva.net. At last here, at the end of the Mimer, where we're up to the last section, the Siyam of the Mimer, he goes back to the beginning of what he began with, which was Lahavan Inyan Lechem Mishnah, to understand Lechem Mishnah. In order to appreciate here how he goes back, it's important to give a summation of the Mahalach, of this Mimer, from the beginning until this point, in order to be able to put it all in context and then understand how he comes back here to the Lechem Mishnah and what the ultimate point is. The Mimer said he wanted to understand Lechem Mishnah and the different ways in which people hold their Lechem Mishnah. Alpinigla, Alpihalacha, one is above the other. One chal above the other, and alpinister, Arizal says together, equal. Zebetzadza, not zealgabeza. Not one bread on the other one, but one near each other. At the surface, it's just like many different minhagim that you find. This one does it this way. You ever saw two people cut the challah the same way? Everyone has their mices. This one holds the challah, the knife here, the knife there. He makes a sign, he makes a big sim, and a small sim. Okay, these are things, you know, every home has a different mahalach. Huh? That's a halacha. The mother of Sanhedrin, I got some ice with Menashe, Rabashi. With it's baked, yeah. It's machlekes harishayim also. It's not so pasha. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. What? If you put it on the side, that's the etzah to be etzah. Right, right. But the etzah, so you have different things, you know. Some people create things in their own minds when you're dealing with uh, the way it's described in halacha, the way it's described in Kabbalah. Those differences are very, very significant. They have very profound symbolism. In order to understand this, he said we have to go into the concept of benching, Berchus Hamas. And here he raised the following question when it comes to benching. And that is, the Gemara says in Masech the Brachas Daf Memches, that Minayin Leberchus Hamas in Minatayra. Generally, all blessings in Judaism are rabbinically obligated, not biblical. All Brachas that we make were instituted by the rabbis, by the Anshe Knesset Sagdoila, or at a later point, including all the brachas we make in the morning, called Birches Ashacha, all the brachas we make before mitzvahs, Lahamniach Tfilin, Lahadlik Ner Shal Shabbos, Kodesh, or any other bracha, Natilis Lulav, Shachiyanu, Lahadlik Ner Chanaka, also make Mikra Megillah. These are all Midirabana. Rabbinic obligations. The same is true with Birches HaMitzvahs, the same is true with Brachas we make before food. All Brachas that we make are rabbinically introduced, not biblically. The exception to that is, the Gemara says Birches HaTorah and Birches HaMazim. The Bracha before learning Torah, Kishem HaShem Ekra, and Birches HaMazim, the Bracha we don't make before we eat, the Bracha we make after we eat. Pasuk says in Ekev, so we know that Birchis Hamazin is Menatayr. It says clearly you should eat, you'll be satiated, and you should thank. You should bless God for the good land that He has given you. 
and we say this in Benching, we quote this brach, this Pasuk in Benching from Parshas Ekev. So the Gemara says, And the Gemara specifically then concludes and continues and says, refers to the first bracha. Because you thank Hashem for the food. Then they continue, Al Ha'aretz, Zubirchis Ha'aretz. Noidulacha Shemalakena Shinchatullah Visenu Eretz Chemda, Al Ha'aretz, that's the second part of the Pasuk. Achaltava Savata Virachtas Hashemalakecha, Al Ha'aretz. We're not only thanking for the food, we're thanking for the land, Al Ha'aretz. But then we also describe not just Al Ha'aretz, but rather Al Ha'aretz Hatoiva. That refers to Yerushalayim and the Beis Hamikdash, which is described as It's not just a land; it's a good land. It represents the capital of the land, which is Yerushalayim, the epicenter of the land, the spiritual epicenter of the land, which is the Beis Hamikdash. That's the third brach. Of course, as we know, the same Gemara also says the same Amid Brachas Mamches that Moshe instituted for the Jewish people the first bracha when the man came down. They had to eat and bench, because it's already after Matan Torah, you have to bench. Again, benching is Minat So then he gives them Birches Hamazin. Which bracha? The first one, Azan Asylum. Yehoshua, when they go into Eretz Yisrael, gives them the second bracha, which is thanking Hashem for the land. Moshe is not in the land. He doesn't thank for the land. They don't have the land. They're heading to the land. And then David and Shlaima, David captures and settles Yerushalayim. The Jews were not in Yerushalayim until David Amalek, right? It was by the Yavusim. David created the center of the country, Yerushalayim. So David and his son Shlaima, they introduce Yerushalayim. Shlaima introduces the Beis Hamikdash, right? David speaks about Rachim Hashem Alekeinu al Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim speaks about Tzion. By them it's not Rachim, by them it's thanking. It's Noidelecha. Today we say, And then you have the fourth bracha, which is added by the rabbis later, after the destruction of the second Beis Hamikdash, after the revolt of Bar Koichva, around 130 after the Common Era. Beitar is the last fortress to the Jewish people, the last revolt that they attempt against the Romans, and when it's defeated, and the Romans don't allow the Jews to be buried, and years later... They allow them to be buried, and they, uh, the bodies are not decomposed. They make a new bracha, hatoiv, v'hametiv, the fourth bracha, which we introduce into our benching every single day when we bench. That's basically the structure that the Gemara describes in brachas. And here, there's two details that are addressed in the mind. Detail number one is, the Gemara asks a question later. Generally, we have a concept, a nice in mitzvahs, chavilas, chavilas. We don't put together mitzvahs. Everything deserves its own dignity. And therefore, in a bracha, you mention one thing, not two things. By benching, we contradict this. The first blessing, we say, hazana sakayl. Clear. The next one, we say, the third one, bayne baracham of Yerushalayim. Fine. The second one, we already mix two things. Baruch Hashem, al ha'aretz v'alamazen. And generally we have a cloud, the Gemara says, A bracha, you stick to one theme, one concept. Don't mix in two things. Thank me for this, later you can thank me for this. Here we say, And for the Gemara, it's the same thing. It's not a thank you for the land. It's for thanking for the land, for the earth that produces food. It's not separate things. It's on the type of land that creates food, that produces food. 
that grows, that yields produce. Allah aritz, aritz the mafkemos. Tomorrow goes through a few brachas where you have the same apparent problem, and that is, we say on Rish uh, Chodesh today, Mekadesh Yisrael, Virashe Chadashim. Again, two things. On Yom Tif we say, Baruch Hashem, Mekadesh Yisrael, Vahazmanim. Tomorrow famously answers the same thing. Mekadesh Yisrael, the Kachinul is manim. Mekadesh Yisrael, the Kachinul Rashi Chadashim. It doesn't sanctify Rish Chodesh, it doesn't sanctify Yom Tif. He sanctifies the Jewish people who create Rish Chodesh. Who create Yom Tov. We are the ones who create Kedushas Yom Tov. If Bezdin doesn't accept the witnesses and say today's Rish Chodesh, it's not Rish Chodesh and Pesach is not Pesach. Who creates Yom Tovim? It's the Kedushas Yisrael that have the power to create the Kedusha of days. Shabbos not. Shabbos comes on naturally every seven days. Mekadosh Shabbos. Don't say Mekadosh Yisrael Shabbos. So it's not two brachas, it's one brach. It sounds like two brachas say Baal. Like for all, for all, for all. No, it's one. We don't have a problem with the category, but not two separate things. You're thanking for Eretz Yisrael, or you're thanking for food. So we say we're thanking for the land that gives food, for the land, for the earth that produces food. Eretz the Mafkamos, right? That's the problem. It says Al Ha'aretz, Baruch Hashem Al Ha'aretz of Al Hamaz, and it sounds like two things. Which really goes back to a question, and that's what he says explicitly is, what's the point? In other words, you're already thanked for Mazen in the first bracha. So what do you have to do with it again? You want to thank for Aretz? Thank for Aretz. Gesund to hate. What's the point to hazard over the Indian of Mazen? Elamai, you might tell me, we're not thanking here for the land. We had a meal. We're thanking for food. Okay, so why mention Eretz? If you're looking here to thank for food, you already thanked for food in the first bracha. Why do you have to thank again for food? So you're going to tell me, because what's the point of thanking for the land? It's, we're not discussing the land here. We're discussing the meal. Okay, so why do you bring in El Eretz? <laughs> Don't bring in El Eretz. El you want to thank for the land. So what do you have to repeat? Mazen again. You already did Mazen in the first so you say there's no point Muslim, the Eretz without Muslim. So why do you have to bring in Eretz? That's what he struggles with. What's, what's, this, what's the real structure here? And why in the first bracha don't you mention Eretz? <laughs> the second bracha you mention food in context with Eretz. You mention both. In the first only Zon. And in the third bracha you mention only Yerushalayim and the Beis Amikdash. You don't mention any more Muslim. You don't say for Yerushalayim and the Beis Amikdash and the food. Everything is self-contained besides the second bracha where you mix the Eretz and the Muslim. That's point number one. And, and, and you see this in how you say it. Al-Ha'aretz You don't just say Al-Ha'aretz V'Hamazen. Al-Ha'aretz which sounds like there are two things. Even though the Gemara says there's no two things. Question number two is really the Rajba's question. The Rajba asks a question that the Gemara contradicts itself. If Yahushua is the one who gave us the second bracha, how do you say all the three brachas are menatayra? If Dovin and Shlaima gave us the third bracha, how do you say they're menatayra? If they're menatayra, then it's not Dovin and Shlaima, it's not Yahushua. Dovin and Shlaima and Yahushua can't create a new tayra. Hatayra hazois loitiyah muchlafis, one of the 13 principles of faith. The whole tayra was given by Moshe Rabbeinu. Nobody can create a new tayra. Not even in Mansi. Nobody has that prerogative to create a new tayra. The Rabbanon could make mitzvahs, the Rabbanon, they could make gzairahs, they can't make new mitzvahs of Torah. It's an it's a, it's a issue of loisosif, or loisigra, you can't do that. So what do you mean, they made new brachas, then you tell me it's been ha how did it become been ha 
So first the Gemara tells me all the three brachas are menatayra. Before that the Gemara says it's Yehoshua and David and Shlomo. Big question of the Rajba Masech the brachas not Mamchas. It's a stark question. So the Rajba answers. The Rajba says that uh, the Pshat is as follows. That the three brachas were in the time of Moshe also. If not, you can't say it's Menatayra. You're saying it's Menatayra, the three brachas are Menatayra in the time of Moshe. The pshat is, however, the text was altered. What do I mean the text was altered? The text was altered by Moshe. When the man came down, he made the text of Birches Hazan. What was the Nusach by Moshe of Birches Haaretz? It was a different Nusach. There was a second bracha, but it wasn't the Nusach that we have. He wasn't thanking Hashem for the land. Perhaps he was praying for the future of the land. The third bracha, the same thing. It wasn't the text that we have. It was a different text. It was Moshe's text. Yahushua, when they came into the land, he changed the text in order to celebrate the fact that we're in the land. You can't remain stuck in the past. David and Shlem, when they came into Yerushalayim and they built the base of Mikdush, they changed the text. The text was changed, but that doesn't change the very fabric, the very core of the bracha that it's Menatayra. The three brachas of Menatayra, the text, the version of it changed with each generation. When the man came down, Moshe gave the bracha, and that's the text that we have today. When Yeshua came into his soul, he gave the text of the second bracha, the Nusach, that's the text that we have today. Noidu l'cha Hashem alakeinu al shinchalta l'aviseinu eretz chem d'toi v'orchav v'al shesonu, etc. v'disonu l'abrischa v'al tiroscha v'al achilas mozoin sh'atazon. Here again, you go back to the mozoin, you see in the second bracha, you go back to the mozoin. Al achilas mozoin sh'atazon, you already thanked for the mozoin, but again, Yeshua wants to go back to the mozoin. And then the text changed with David and Shloimeh. That's basically what happens. So here we're left with a new question. And what's the new question? The text of Moshe doesn't change even after they go into Echishon. There's no man. The first bracha still remains the text of Moshe Rabbeinu. Because if you're just going to say that the text changed also... So then the second bracha is also Moshe. The third bracha is also Moshe. Everything is Menatayra. So you have to say, like the Rajab explains, that no, the three brachas are Menatayra, but the Nusach is in every generation a different Nusach. And yet the first bracha remains the Nusach of Moshe Rabbeinu, which is the Man. Of course, the second question answers the first. And that is, that to understand the difference of the brachas, you have to understand that it's different types of food. The first bracha is celebrating one type of food. The second bracha is celebrating a different type of food. So now you ask, why are you repeating the food? Because it's not the same food. The first bracha is lechem and ashamayim. The second bracha is lechem and aretz. That's the chiddush. Ad hayoyim azeh. When we're speaking the first bracha, we're addressing a different food. Hazana sakoil is the man. And then the second bracha is addressing lechem in aretz. Ah, of course you have to speak about aretz. <laughs> It's a whole different type of lechem. You're not talking about mozin, and you're not talking about eretz. You're talking about the lechem that originates in earth. It originates in land. It originates in eretz. Different type of mozin. So therefore, of course you have to repeat mozin in the second bracha. It's not the same mozin. This is the man. This is the mozin that Yeshua introduced, which is the mozin lechem and eretz. And that's why he has to speak about the eretz over there, because it's dafka lechem and eretz. 
That's basically the, the so to speak, the, the structure through which the explanation of the Mimer gets built. That's the structure of our stopping. The Rashba doesn't give that point. No, no, no. The Rashba just says it was a different Nusach. They changed the Nusach, but it doesn't take away the fact that it's Menatayr. In order to explain this, in order to understand this, he has to explain the difference between Lechem in Aaretz and Lechem in Hashemayim. So first starts a Hezbet of Lechem in Aaretz, then starts a Hezbet of Lechem in Hashemayim. Basically, in one word, Lechem in Aaretz revolves around the two worlds of Toyo and Tikkun. Lechem in Hashemayim revolves around the world of Akudin. That's basically the structure. Two types of breads introduced in the two brachas of Bench. Let's recall what they are. So he said, Lechem in Aaretz is the fact that each of us needs nutrition from bread, and it's not just bread, it's all food that comes from the earth. Whether it's vegetation, whether it's produce, whether it's fruits, whether it's vegetables, whether it's grain, whether it's legumes, or whether it's animal food that they eat from the earth. They pasture from the earth, and they graze on the earth, they graze from the land, and then we eat those animals perhaps. But it's basically all part of Lechem in Aaretz. And the Pasuk says in Parshas Ekev, I gave you the man. And uh, he says over there, uh, uh, We don't only live from the Lechem, we live from the Moitzepi Hashem, from the energy of Hashem. So that Rizal explains the energy of Hashem in the bread, that's what we live from. Ask the Alter Rebbe, we also have our own energy, what do we need the bread? And the answer is because the Moitzepi Hashem, the divine energy in the Lechem, has something that the human soul and the human body needs. What is it? So he explains at length that this has to do with the fact that pre-our world there was another world called Olam the world of chaos. And in the world of chaos, all the lights were very intense and were very primal and were very extreme and were very infinite. And therefore, ultimately, there was a shvira, there was a breakage because each midah was self-contained, each one was completely isolated and ultimately egotistical in its most extreme way and therefore it could not tolerate anybody else and ultimately it broke and it fell. And as a result of this, the whole world of Gashmias was created. <coughs> Basically, the whole world of Gashmias, which is a very self-contained, egotistical material universe, these are shards of Olam The sparks of the lights of Toyu, which were very intense and very infinite, fell. And this creates our physical world, including all the food that we have in our world, and especially you see this in the animal kingdom, because each animal has its own mida, and there's very little integration. Every animal has its nature, and it sticks to its nature, and it's connected to its nature in its most, ex- most extreme, volatile, primal, and powerful way. Why? Because the genesis of the reality of every animal is from the world of Toyu, where there's no iskalas, there's no in- integration, by yimlech vayamos. Then comes the world of Tikkun, which was all Adam, where there's compromise, where there's mitigation, where there's give, where there's take, where there's escalalus, where there's a a weakness in self-consciousness, and more awareness of the symmetry and the organism of reality. Together, Adam is about integration, and therefore, in Tikkun, the lights were diminished in the sense that the vessels can contain them because they are more diluted and more compromised. Therefore, Toyu in many ways is much higher than Tikkun. It's deeper than Tikkun. It's more intense than Tikkun. The infinite light is very, very powerful. But Toyu has the challenge because everything gets destroyed and everything breaks. 
And that's why Tikkun needs Toyu and Toyu needs Tikkun. Tikkun needs Toyu because the gas of Tikkun, the real gas of Tikkun comes from Toyu. But Toyu needs Tikkun in order to be sublimated back to its source. So therefore, when a person eats, he or she elevates the food, and in that sense they bring back the Kalim, the Nitzutsus of Toyu, back to its source. And because of that, Tikkun gets infused and elevated through Toyu, and that's why the person has to eat the food, the Moitzepi Hashem. V'achalta v'savato ve'irachta es Hashem alekecha. Even kevayachal Hashem alekecha, which is Tikkun, which is Adam, ki loyal alechem levada yichia ha'adam, the Adam, Adam ha'elyan, Adam of Atzilus, also is infused kevayachal through the bracha, u'beirachta, the flow that comes from Toyu, which is the food that we eat. That is lechem min ha'aretz revolves around the two worlds of Toyu and Tikkun, which come together when the human being needs the food, and the food needs the human being. So there's a very deep relationship that happens when the person eats, between the food and the person. The person is sitting at the steering wheel, and the food is giving him the gas. If the food sits at the steering wheel, oy avoy. But if you don't have the food for the gas, then you're missing the gas. Quite literally, we need the food for the gas, but the food can't be the controller of the meal. The human being has to be in control of the meal. That's the question always when you're eating, who is in control of the meal? Are you in control of the food or is in the food control of you? We all know that challenge. That's the real question here. Who's sitting at the steering wheel? Who's defining what this meal looks like? Me, the meal, or the meal, me? Sometimes the food simply has incredible control over even the most intelligent, uh, insightful spiritual-minded, uh, intellectual giants, but something in the food that just captures them in a very profound way. They don't even know what it is. But later they regret it. What is it? The truth is it's toyu. It's a something, something very volatile about it, something very powerful about it. And if I can't make peace with my own toyu, ultimately I need a food to connect me to my toyu. In other words, if you don't deal with your own primal emotions, the food will make you deal with your primal emotions. That becomes the substitute for it, because you have to deal with it. So if you don't deal with it in your own, you become a victim to the food because it enamors you, it overwhelms you, because you never made space for it in your own life. If you made space for it in your own life, then the food becomes a continuum of that process. And that's the secret of food addiction. Huh? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you feed someone else, that's the next madrega problem. Yeah. Food is a substitute for emotions. It could submerge emotions. If you that's why food is such a substitute for emotion, because food has a lot of energy in it. So you could stifle, stifle most of the, many emotions with it, especially if you don't stop. Is this, is this even with not healthy food also? Uh, <laughs> it's usually more with non-healthy food. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually more with non-healthy food. No, his question is if when you eat not healthy food, if you also have the Nitsuitsis on it. The toy that eats healthy food. Meaning in the health. Very good question. The Nitsuitsis of everything always commensurate with how much nutrition they give. So the non-healthy food is it's not much so less Nitsuitsis. That's why you need much more of it. <laughs> no, no, that's true. That's why you need much more unhealthy food because you're really looking for the nitsutsu of toyo. So unhealthy food, the nitsutsu are more powerful because the nitsutsu are always commensurate with the nutrition. And it's in reality that way because nutrition is ultimately what benefits you. 
It's the constructive vitality which comes from divine energy. You understand? The more junk, the more clipper, the less nitsutsas, fakert. So you need much more. That's why nobody eats one potato chip. People eat one cucumber. I've never met a person that eats one potato chip. One cucumber, yeah. Why? Because one cucumber, you already have it. You got it. You got You got it. You understand? One kale, you got it. But 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 but, but, a, but a cookie? One cook? What do you have? One cookie? You finish? You finish a tray of cookies? Good. <laughs> one pistachio? You finish fifty pistachio? Huh? Would meat have more in it? Because you know, the body can take one thirty-two grams of protein in one shot. What? Can you one? Can we get after the broth one cookie? Just it's also a scientific explanation. Which is? It has to do with insulin release. I mean, it's complicated, but you know. How about Talia? There's a word from the Baal Shem Tev. It says in Tehillim, the famous capital, Kovzayin, Hoidul Hashem, right? That's many say Arab Shabbos before Mincha. Re'evim, Gam Tzmeim, Nafsham Bahem Tisatov. So the Baal Shem Tev says people are hungry and thirsty. They think they're hungry and thirsty because they want the food. But Emes, Nafsham Bahem Tisatov. The nefesh in them, in them and in the food, are asking for them to eat in order to be able to elevate the mitzutzes. So there's really two things going on. On one level, I'm hungry and I'm thirsty. The cheesecake speaks to me? I'm not sure. Cheesecake is... Again, depends where you are. Depends where you are. But nafsh, there's something else going on. Nafsh behem tesatov. So there's a certain relationship there. Sometimes a pregnant woman has a craving and eats. Uh, yeah, the Mishnah in Yuma, the Mishnah in Yuma, Machilanaisaya. So, how do you explain it? Uh, she's for two. There's two Nishamas. She's eating yeah. two. It's never cucumbers. It's never cucumbers. The, 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 the woman has to eat for two souls. They both, they both need nutrition. So, of course, she's more hungry. That's what the Mishnah says in Yuma, right? She has two souls. You have to understand. The world of biology and the world of spirituality are not different worlds. It's one of the great mistakes by many religious Jews that they think there's a competition. There's the world of Torah and there's the world of biology. There's the world of Gashmis. The whole Yisoyed of Torah Sabah Shem was it's Hainu Hach. The physical is a mirror of the spiritual. Scientific reflects the metaphysical. Biology reflects the soul. You understand? So when you say there's a certain explanation in Ruchni, it doesn't mean it's not explained in Gashmi. It's fakert. Because it's true like that. On a spiritual level, the physical mechanism is created based on the spiritual mechanism. It's not two separate worlds. The way, it's tr- the way it comes out in the soul, it comes out in the body, because there's an achtos, there's complete integration. Can you have tikkun if you're a glutton? Without, without, can you have tikkun without kavana? Tikkun without kavana. There's some level of mindfulness that you need for tikkun. Because tikkun basically is balance. Tikkun is structure. Tikkun is always about design. Tikkun is always about purpose. You understand? Toyu hates the word purpose. And that's what makes it so exciting. It's like, stop talking to me about purpose. Just let me live. Toyu is primal. Toyu is the jungle. There's something very nice about it. Not that the reason why the Make a bracha before, before. Yeah. The bracha before the food is the mindfulness in order to realize what is happening now. Yeah. Bayre priya aids. Shahakal niya bidvare. Bayre priya adama. Hamayt lacha minaret. 
He's Moitzi Lech. That's the concept of the Brach. It comes out is that the less toy, the more control the toy has on the table. Because in unhealthy foods, usually we are less controlled than when we eat healthy foods. I wouldn't say the less tell you the more controlled. I would say the 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 less the person is in touch with their own taihu, the more control the food has over them. Because they get lost in it. That's almost their way of experiencing it by osmosis. That's their way of uh, of nurturing their taihu without consciousness. All addictions are basically great fillers of voids because when I'm not ready to deal with the void I'm going to go to other things to fill it. And they're always distractions. But I need good distractions, because if I don't have good distractions, what is it going to help? And the bigger the void, the deeper and more intense the distraction. If it's a small void, I don't need so much to fill it. If I have a big hole, then I need a lot to fill it. So I need much more intense distractions. So I need things with much more power, with much more energy. And I always need to up it and up it and up it. It's all because I'm not ready to look at that void. That's why an addict overdoses and keeps pushing it further. Always, and further. more and more and more. He needs to fill, he needs to distract the pain, he needs to distract the void. And we, all of us, we have our voids. Huh? Because it doesn't need that. Right. That high level. Yeah. 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 In all f- huh? In everything there's a nitzutz. Everything lives because it has a nitzutz. The question is what happens with that nitzutz? So drugs is a nitzutz? Uh-huh. <laughs> when you say a nitzutz, something that started in total. Everything lives off Kedusha. Right? Like we learned with Paroi in the Maim of Parshas of Eira. The snake also comes from the stick. Everything has chius. Everything is alive. Everything has energy. And the more energy, the more vitality. So it has a nitzut. The question is, how eclipsed is it? How manipulated is it? How misconstrued is it? What it feeds, how it feeds, how it's used, how you use it, etc. But everything has ultimately a nitzut. The question is, can I have access to the nitzutz? The Alter Rebbe writes in Tanya, very interesting. In halacha, we call things mutter and asr. Why mutter and asr? Literally, mutter means permitted, asr means forbidden, but it's not the real translation. Asr means tied up. Matir asurim. Asr, base asurim, right? Mutter means, like in Shabbos, kosher and matir. We're learning, untying. What's the connection? So the Pashtas, it means, Asur is, my hands are tied behind my back, so to speak. It's a piece of Chazer, my hand, I can't eat. Mutter means, you're untied, go, knock yourself out. But that's a superficial Pshat. The deeper Pshat is, not on the Gavra, on the Chefza. When something is Asur, it's tied up. The Nitzutz is trapped. I don't have access to it. So if I'm going to start eating pig, and I'm going to say, oh, the bacon has tremendous Nitzutzes, and for 750 you can get bacon and eggs for breakfast. It's usr. There is a nitzutz in Chazer. Chazer is alive. In fact, one day it's going to go be uh, bacon and eggs is going to be a mahadim and a mahad neidachredes. The Medrash says, Asit Chazer Litahir, right? That's why it's called Chazer. Chazer Sheyachzer Yisrael. That's what Chazal say. It's going to come back. Yeah? 
Some Sefer wants to say that L'chayr Chazer shouldn't be, get bottled because Dover Shesh Limatirin. Some Sefer Dover Shesh Limatirin. And it bottled. Mashiach comes Dover Shesh Limatirin. Some Sefer's question. Okay, he has an answer, but I'm saying the question is an interesting question. Mashiach could come any day. Achakaloi. Bechal Yom. Dover Shesh Limatirin. And it bottled. Wait till Mashiach comes. You'll eat the Chazer. There's no bitl by Chazer. That's what he That's what he has a Shaila. Okay, he has a Gan Salam. There's not for now. But. Uh, but the chazer is asur. What do I mean it's asur? Not I'm tied. The nitzutz is tied up. I don't have access to it. Mutter means it's untied. In other words, it's accessible. But what happens if somebody eats it, for example? Yeah? And then does tshuva. So the Gemara says in Yuma, Tav Pevav, that when you do tshuva out of love, is is nasa like his The sins become mitzvahs. How does a sin become a mitzvah? The pshat is, that when a person does real tshuva out of love, what happens is, the nitzutz of that trefa thing actually does get untied. Why? Because what's pshat tshuva out of love? How do you do tshuva out of love? What's pshat tshuva out of love? Tshuva out of love means that the sin brings you to more love. It's like when you have a very close relationship with somebody, and then it breaks down and you uh, become alienated from each other. And then you get close to each other, but you work through all the alienation. So the love is now the strongest it ever was. Why? Because all the negative energy becomes now part of the positive energy. All our hate towards each other becomes part of our love towards each other. Because we realize that the hate was coming from misunderstanding and from the hurt that we caused each other because of the love. So therefore, when you could convert hate and see how it's really a springboard for love, so the love is fueled by the negativity. So that means that the fact that he ate chazer, yeah, became a springboard for his kira, for his ava. So retroactively, he did access the nitzots. Retroactively, he found God in that. Again, you can't, I can't go eat and say, I found God here. It's against God. It's, it's an Isser Gamma. When somebody did it, and then does Tshuva, so the Gemara says, So what's the mechanism? The Marsha is up in arms. The Marsha says in Yuma over there, I'm a Chaya. A guy, a guy eats Shreif his whole life, then he does Tshuva, he has more mitzvahs than everybody else. Yeah? The Baditshavim, it's a Baditshavim, once Yom Kippur, they say he saw a Yid smoking on Yom Kippur and eating a sandwich. So the Baditshav was the Chavaz, Amalam Etzchus. So the Yid looks at him and he says, cynically, New Rebbe, Vos Hostet Zazagin, what do you have to say? So he says, Ah, Mekana. He says, Why are you Mekana me? He says, If you're going to do Tshuva, do you know how many mitzvahs you're going to have? <laughs> <laughs> mitzvahs that I can't even begin to think of. You know, eating Yem Kippur, smoking Yem Kippur, Chilos Shabbos, Nevelos, Trevos. So he was such a cynic. He says, Rebbe, come back next year, you'll be even more jealous. <laughs> This stems very, very well with what you have said before about all Jews are religious. All Jews yeah. believe in God. But the point is that the ones who don't believe in God, it's religion that's yes. fueling yes. Their, their atheism. Yes. So that's the point. Yeah, so yeah, ultimately, yeah. yeah. The religion fuels the atheism. So even over there, there's a psalmitzitz. Again, it's completely distorted. It's completely distorted. Ah? In atheism. Right. It's, it's, it's atheism with religious fervor. So therefore what happens is, when he does tshuva out of love, the zdoinus becomes obvious. Why? Because the nitzitz is nizgala. 
or when it's, the Mashiach comes as Vesruah Chatuma Avrim in Aretz, so then also the Nitzitz will be Nizgal. So everything will have an Aliyah. So that's what <laughs> Mutter and Asr. Mutter and Asr means the Hefts is trapped. The Hefts is on top. Over here you can access it, over here you can't. But everything has a Nitzitz. So now you ask if, 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 uh, if marijuana has a Nitzitz, or maybe, I don't know if you're talking about heavy drugs or light drugs, huh? כחלחסמים.ניחשפתי.שסמים.שמה.פירושחקה.אבל.כחלחסמים.שמה.פירושחקה.אבל.כחלחסמים.שמה.פירושחקה.אבל.כחלחסמים.שמה.פירושחקה
Shimon says it's mutter. Lachshin sechlegufi yipater. The same nekudiv. Is it shavas or not shavas? A minor community here. The same. It's the same minion. When you say you have to get rid of something, what do you have to get rid of? If you say that the nitzutz is completely, completely concealed, so then the only eitz is shreifa. There's no, no other thing. Mefarav ezayla leruach ematoliyam means, however, vishbati chayera that you don't have to destroy it. You have to harness it. You have to redirect it. You have to find it in itzutz. So akoponim in every nekud that there's a nitzutz. The question is how you deal with it. How you deal with it? Internet. What's your relationship with it? Ah, huh? the internet. Ah, huh? smartphones. Yeah, the internet has big nitzutzes. <laughs> the internet has a lot of nitzutzes. very powerful tools in the world. Have tremendous nitzutzes. What says nitzutzes again? Nitzutzes is an abstract word. Let me translate it in English. You'll see that it makes a lot of sense. Nitzutzes basically means the ultimate functionality and purpose of any particular item from God's perspective. That's what the nitzutz is. The functionality, purpose of any particular item from God's perspective. That is its nitzutz. What do I mean that's its nitzutz? That's its ultimate energy. That's the, in other words, the divine energy that fuels it, what is that designed for? The chiyus, eleki, of something, that's its nitzutz. And that's directly connected. What is its purpose? What is its, what is its here for? What is its tachlis? What did Hashem want it for? Or to put it in other words, when I want something, it creates energy, but that energy is very concealed. I can't say I want a cup of coffee and the cup of coffee appears. I have to go get coffee beans and grind the coffee beans and get water and make a coffee, etc., etc. Okay, here we already do a lot of the work. Okay, I want coffee and the coffee beans appear. By Hashem, Ratzin translates into energy. So when Hashem wants something, He wants something, that desire is energy. That energy of the Ratzin, that is called the nitzutz of the thing. He wants there should be a donkey in the world. He wants there should be a cockroach in the world. He wants there should be an elephant. He wants there to be a solar system. He wants there to be a hippopotamus. He wants there to be a turtle in the world. He wants there to be a hyena in the world. That Ratzin translates into energy. And that energy becomes the molecular atomic structure of that animal or of this plant or of this, or of this flake of snow. That becomes the energy of it, that rotsen. And therefore, the nitzutz represents what is its purpose from the divine perspective? What is its intent? What did he want? Vasatagavalt. He wanted this for a particular purpose. That's what the nitzutz is. Accessing the nitzutz of something means looking at it from that perspective. Seeing what is its meaning in the context of existence and in the context of my existence. When you do that, you're mavira the nitzutz. You align the object with its divine purpose, with its divine functionality. That's pshat birir hanitzutzis. What's pshat the opposite of birir hanitzutzis? The opposite of birir hanitzutzis means I become a victim to it. I'm completely not aligned, not with who I am, and not with what it is. I'm just like lost. So that's why, let's say I'm in a very bad mood and I'm eating. What type of eating is it? Everybody knows what type of eating. There's absolutely no compulsive. mindfulness. It's completely compulsive. I'm trying. I'm not even trying to eat. I'm trying to avoid pain. I'm not even looking for eating. That's really the vart. The people who eat like this actually eat much more. Because when you're eating because you're trying to distract yourself, you're not eating. It's a hechitimtza. You're trying to distract yourself. You're looking desperately for something. So this person goes to the pantry with the alcoholism. This person goes to the refrigerator where the food is. 
But that's just the difference in the Hechitimtza. <laughs> what you're looking for is you're not looking for food. <laughs> you're looking to avoid, the, you're looking for distractions. So you're actually not even eating. The eating is simply a levush chitzoyni to something else you're trying to do. And the food therefore can't accomplish that. Why? Because you're looking to food for food. Food can't do this. Well, how, how is the food supposed to help you? What's built from the essence? The food has its purpose, has its, its thing. So actually when you eat with this kavana, you're actually eating. You're actually eating. You're, you're, you're eating food. You're not distracting yourself. You're eating food. So that's when people run away from pain and they want to, to, to learn. Um. What's, is this a question, a comment, a, a frustration, uh, a confession? What is no, it exactly? No, no, you're no, saying no, that he's not question. really learning. It's a question. There are people you're saying he's not right. really learning. You're right. Do that. You're right. It's a distraction. You're right. And you're not learning. It's a distraction. Same thing. Listen, it's better than doing other things. It's better than running around molesting. You know what I mean? It's better than that. Uh-uh. Some hold not, some hold yes, unfortunately. No, I mean... I mean... It's the worst thing you could do. I'm saying a person is in a lot, a lot of... Uh, want, learns because they want to distract themselves from themselves, right? So, again, it depends. David HaMelech says, Lulei teras chashashuoi azavadati ba'anyi. Yeah? He had a lot of pain and he went to learn. But what was it? That was the, the Torah sublimated his pain. The Torah soothed his pain. There was a relationship there. You're not talking about that. You're talking about he represses. He's not acknowledging it. David Amalek acknowledged it. And the Torah becomes like a substitute for that. The truth is that it's very hard for that person to really learn Torah. But we're promised there that we'll be Right. That's also Mitoch. And then there's what the Gemara says in Tainas. The Gemara says in Tainas that sometimes a person learns Torah, Nasa loy samchayim. Loy zocha, Nasis loy samamavas. So the Torah, Gemara in Tainas says the Torah could become poison. Samamavas. And samamavas kills you. That means the Torah could kill you. How can the Gemara say this about Torah, samamavas? The diuk is Nasis loy samamavas. The Torah is not samamavas. The Torah is samchayim. But Nasis loy. Sometimes you can have a medicine, one person it saves his life, another person it kills him. Nasis loy samamavas. Sometimes Torah could be used by a person in a way that it actually becomes a destructive tool. The Torah makes him much more oppressive, much more arrogant, much more pompous, much more dishonest, much more manipulative. Shloshay. Huh? Shloshay, whatever, all these things. Nasis loy Nasis loy samamavas. Doesn't mean chas v'shom the Torah is a samamavas. But for him it becomes a summer mother. It becomes lethal, huh? Okay, Kardam Lachberba is already shown. It's not the same level. Toysva says it's lekanter, where you use the Torah to put down others, to denigrate others. You use the Torah to denigrate others, it's a different type of Torah. Whenever Torah is used to denigrate, so then it's already, it could be a summer mother. So I'm saying you have this Matthias and Chazal, the Torah can be misused. What are the purposes of with Mitzutzis and something that's Mitzutzis, yeah? Like uh, Chal, yeah? No. If you have no access to it, you cannot be Malad. You cannot be Malad. What is the purpose of it? Because this... Everything is the... It's made for us. Sometimes, by being doichet, that's the purpose. <laughs> Sometimes I fulfill the purpose of something by exercising the muscle of restraint. 
by saying no to you, I'm allowed to, by saying no to this item, I'm allowing this item to fulfill its purpose. Sometimes it's mutabahana, a donkey I can ride on, a horse I can ride on. I don't have to, I have to reject the food. Sometimes the tchia becomes the nitzitz. <laughs> You're mile the nitzitz by being daicha the nitzitz. You understand? That's a very powerful idea. By saying no to you, I'm actually helping you out. By saying yes, I'm destroying you. Tough love, tough love. Tough love, it allows you to allow it to fulfill its purpose. Huh? The story with Rabbi Akiva, it's, it's uh, Chazal bring part of the story, but the Ran is Maidech in the story. You know the Maisa? It's a very fascinating story. Rabbi Akiva lived in Israel, of course, and the Romans had governors that they used to set up. There was a man there, his name was Turnus Rufus. Turnus Rufus. He was a Rosh Merusha. He ultimately executed Rabbi Akiva. Turnus Rufus was, uh, I mean, Turnus Rufus, he was executed by the Romans, but Turnus Rufus used to debate him a lot. So Turnus Rufus had a wife. And Turnus Rufus came home one day, and he was very depressed. So she asked him what happened. So he said, Rabbi Akiva won the debate again. They debated a lot. The Romans used to debate the Jews. So he said he won the debate. And I can never defeat him. So she said to her husband, I'll defeat him. How are you going to defeat him? She says, my beauty beats every man. No man stands up to my beauty. I'll already do what I have to do. And Rabbi Akiva will become the laughing stock. The great Rabbi Akiva was defeated by me. So she went to Rabbi Akiva. <laughs> You know, she presented herself as she used to do commonly. So Rabbi Akiva looked at her and uh, he spit on the floor, he spit, and then he laughed, and then he cried, and then he laughed. So she asked him, why did you do the three things? So Rabbi Akiva said, I spit because... I realized how with your beauty you make so many people live a life of vanity. You destroy so many people's lives. So I spit. It's disgusting to me. She said, why did you cry? He said, I cried because you're so beautiful and when you die, the beauty is going to be gone. So I cried. So she said, why did you laugh? He says, this I can't tell you. This I can't tell you. So she was transformed by this. She was transformed. Her husband died. Tunis Rufus died. She converted to Judaism. Rabbi Akiva's wife passed away, and he married her. <laughs> he married her. And he said, that's why I laughed. <laughs> that's why I laughed. Now understand, Rabbi Akiva would have laughed before he spit and before he cried. What would have it looked like? Right? You understand? He, 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 the first thing is you have to spit. I don't only mean the physical saliva, I mean the concept, the mias. And then he cried. And then he could laugh. It's the ah and the oi. Right? The nitzutz in her at that moment, there was a nitzutz in her, a strong nitzutz in her, even a Jewish nitzutz in her. But the reaction had to be one of disgust. Not his wife, not even a Jewish wife, it turned out as his wife. And he knew what she was there for. She was there for not to hear a shear from him. You understand? She wasn't trying to be Makabal Taita for Rabbi Akiva. She was trying to seduce Rabbi Akiva. That's it. So he spit. 
He spit on the option, on the conceivability of that option in her mind and in his mind. And then he cried. He cried for the objective truth of human life, you know. He's a beautiful person and is wasting her time. And her body's going to die one day. And he cried for that. And then he laughed. He laughed. But there had to be in an order. If you change the order, then you lose the nitzutz. The nitzutz gets covered up even more. And then you have a Gemara about a... You know the Gemara? There was a Gemara in Menachas. There was a Yid. <laughs> he says he goes to go to every Zion in the world. And he once went, and he traveled like on Samaisa with a lot of money, and then the Tzitzis, Tibchala, uh, Roshay. Huh? No, that's another Matzah. This is a Menachas. And a Lepoyal, everybody was transformed in the Maisa, and... Uh, uh, yeah, the Tzitzis saved him. So the Gemara finishes the story and says, Azoi, Oisan Matzoyis, Sheitziyaloi Be'isur, Hitziyaloi Be'heter. The same mattresses, the same sheets that she spread out for him when they were misbehaving, the same mattresses and sheets she spread out for him when they were together in marriage. So everyone wonders, my nafkeminah, she got a new set of sheets? Wait, that's really the story here? If she got new linen, people are supposed to get new linen when they get married, no? The pshat, of course, is, the Gemara is saying something very deep. The same energy, the same matzoyas that were there, be'isr, were there beheter. In other words, it's not that they still got married. All the energy that was being used the first time around was rechanneled into the healthy relationship. That's what happened. That same nitzutz that was there before, but it was completely... There's something very special about stolen water, right? We love doing illegal things. Uh, People like relationships that are a little alien because, uh, you know, it's... You don't have to deal with all the packages. It's 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 geschmack. It's interesting. It's it's innovative. It's creative. At least short term, right? So there's something very special. To put it to put it very simply, there's a reason Torah says loy sinof. There's a lot of intensity. There's a lot of intensity in in love and romance, especially illegal love and romance. What they did was they channeled that intensity into the into the holy relationship. The nitzutz itself was transformed. Okay. Now we have lechem and hashem, lechem and aretz, and lechem and hashemayim. Bread from earth and bread from heaven. And those are the two first, the first two brachas of Berches Hamazim address those two different types of foods. The first bracha addresses the man. Moshe was masakin it because Moshe is the one. The Gemara says in Tainus in his chos the man came down. And therefore, he is the one who institutes Birches Hazan, and the text of the bracha reflects the nature of Lechem and Hashemayim. The second bracha deals with a different type of food, it's Lechem and Haaretz, and that's why we have to speak about Al Haaretz Val Hamazan. That is the bracha of Eretz, the bracha of earth. It's the bread, but it's the bread that comes, Eretz, the Mafkamazan, the bread that comes from earth. Then you have the third bracha already deals with Yerushalayim and the Besamekdash, and the fourth bracha, Toiva Meitav, is Faruge Beiter, as discussed. So the first two brachas, therefore, differ in their very theme. It's not repetition. You spoke about food, you're speaking again about food. It's a different type of food. Lechem and it's lechem and That's Pashat and Halacha. Alpi, Ruchnis, when you go on a, on a spiritual level. The nature of the foods, 
are drastically different. In one food, we know the difference. Pashat, the Gemara says that in the man there was no psalmist. The Jews didn't have to go to the bathroom. Usually food has elements that are nutritious and elements that the body has to eject. And the reason the body is forced to eject because there's nothing in these foods, there's no part of this food that is of any value to the body. Huh? Yeah, there's nothing that the body can do with it. The body seeks to utilize all food in some way. Then there's that part of the food. The body says, I did what I can, and this is what we call psoilus. Psoilus means the leftover, and this is the avoid of boirin. The avoid of boirin. The body does this all the time. The man did not have this. The man did not have psoilus. The Gemara says, lechem abirim achalish, lechem shenivla be'evarim. That's what the Gemara says in Yuma. The lechem, the bread, that was completely absorbed in the limbs. What do we mean absorbed? All food is absorbed. All food is converted into the bloodstream. But all food, there's some aspect of it that cannot be absorbed. And therefore the body says, Goodbye, Charlie. Have a wonderful day. That's the concept of the psoilas that exist in every food, besides the man. That's why the Gemara says, Lechem abirim, lechem shamalachi asharis There was no psoilas. Now what is the meaning of it that there was no psoilas? So literally it means you're going to say it was a pure food. It was completely... Uh, imagine what it would say on the wrappers of the man, how they would how they would advertise it. I don't even know what they would say. If they take poisonous... Uh, <laughs> right? You, uh, there's probably no need for bathroom. No need for the bathroom for the next 40 years. So, uh, no allergens. Huh? <laughs> yes. No psilos. No psilos. What is it, Alpi? What is it in the oimek, in the depth? It, it represents a different idea. Not a different idea. The oimek of this idea is that all food is basically a product of a shvira, a product of a breakdown. So, of course, this psilos. Because, by very definition, the breakdown of toyu created mitzutzes that are covered up by shells and by husks, and you always have to separate. And if you don't separate, you could ultimately embrace the husk over the spark. And that's always the challenge of eating, which is why the food needs the person, needs the Adam, in order to sublimate the food, and generally to sublimate all physical matter, which are all products of Toyu. What is Toyu? Toyu is intense divine energy that got lost in translation, and got lost in a breakdown, in its spiritual decomposition to the point that you can't recognize the beauty or the depth or the holiness of the energy. You don't recognize its divine quality. And the person is capable of elevating it and sublimating it. And in that process, the food elevates the person as well. The man is lechem in Hashemayim. There's no psoilus. It doesn't come from the energy of Olam HaToyu, despite the grandeur and greatness of Toyu. Where does the man come from? He says the man comes directly. Isarusa de it's not the process of Toyu, which is Isarusa de The human being elevates, and in that process, he or she becomes elevated. And when I say he or she, he's speaking about even what he calls Adam HaElyon, Olam HaTzilis, which is also Kevayachal infused with energy of toyu through the process of Achila, Vachalta v'savata, uveirachta s'ashem alakacha, that is birchas ha'aretz. When it comes, however, to lechem in ha'shamayim, the man, this is b'schus Moshe, Moshe's kvat peh, 
Ukvad Loshan Anoichi, Moshe can't communicate, Moshe can't speak, because Moshe represents the core of Ma, the core of Chachma, and therefore it's hard for him to communicate. This is all we, what we learned. And in the process of existence, he associates this with the world of Akudim. The world of Akudim is not the world of Toyo and Tikkun. This is where the ten spheroids are bound up completely in one vessel. And the reason they're bound up completely in one vessel is because there's absolute integration. But it's not like the integration in Tikkun. In Tikkun, the integration comes because the Moichen weaken the Midas and they dilute the Midas, they mitigate the Midas, and therefore they each become balanced and they become symmetrical because of tremendous diversity and appreciation for the need of diversity, which is critical and is vital and is amazing. And that's what's so incredible about Tikkun. And it's because Tikkun ultimately senses something of the Ein Soif, which can only be experienced through diversity, because infinity never looks like one color. But ultimately, it weakens every one of the qualities. And in its weakness, it becomes stronger, because you give space for somebody else. When you're infinitely strong, you become also infinitely weak. The Tikkun words, where the Mochim are doing that diluting, is that the Mochim is that Ha'aras HaMoich? Always, by definition, it's Ha'aras HaMoich. When you're dealing with Akudim, however, there's also integration. But not because anything is diluted or mitigated or compromised. It's not that you take water and you moizig the yayin b'mayin, you pour water into the wine. On the contrary, the Midas are in their full intensity, in fact, in their greatest intensity. The reason they're united is because what's revealed in them is their source, the Ein Soif. And the Ein Soif is, of course, encompasses, the Ein Soif encompasses all of the ten Midas, and therefore they're not considered opposites, they're not considered divisive, they're not considered fragmented. And they're also very intense because their intensity is not coming from their own personality, their intensity is coming from the fact that they're expressing Ein Soif through their personality. Ah, if you're expressing Ein Soif through your personality, then the other personality is not a competitor to you. It doesn't threaten you, doesn't take away from you. On the contrary... On the contrary, he expressing or she's expressing Ein Saif through her personality. I'm expressing Ein Saif through my personality. It's through. It's not in lieu. It's not we replace the Ein Saif with our personalities. That's the key. We express the Ein Saif through our personality. So you have here an interesting paradox in Akudim. The Midas are much more powerful than everywhere, but they're also completely integrated. They're more powerful because they're infinite. They're not compromised, they're not weak, and yet they're more integrated than everywhere because their infinity is not coming from the ego, from the sense of self-containment. It's coming from the fact that I express the Ein Soif, and the Ein Soif is, of course, Shlemusa the Kula. It's the perfection of all of them, so it encompasses all of them. It's not limited to this Midah or that Midah, and therefore in Akudim we say they're bound up in one vessel, and therefore what's felt in them is their source, and they're expressing their source, and if they're expressing their source, you're expressing the source, I'm expressing the source, maybe in very opposite ways. As we explained, the ultimate source of peace. In the world of Akudim, there's complete shalom between Michal Gavriel, Mayim and Eish, Chesed and Gvura, and this is all before Toyo, before Toyo, so here there's no Shmira. When there's no shvir, the man was food from this world. Since it was food from this world, therefore, you have an interesting thing with the man. Number one, there's no psilus, 
because there's no birur, there's no need for birur here. Right? There's no breakdown that you have to be mevarer. Also, it's an interesting thing is that the oimer, the man was one oimer for everybody. Now we all know big kids need a lot of food and small kids need less food. And big people eat more. So what's pshat with the oimer? The oimer asiris ha'efuhu. The Pesach says in Parshas B'Shalach. In other words, it was a type of nekuda of achdos. It brought out the unity also simply in the sheer of food in the man. They couldn't identify it. They called it man because they couldn't identify it. It says it's the food that you didn't know and your fathers didn't even know. Avaisecha, the Balatanya says elsewhere, Avaisecha is Avram, Yitzhak Yaakov represents Chesed, Gvura, Teferis. But Akudim is higher than the Midday, so it's Layadun Avaisecha. It's beyond Tikkun where there's distinct Midas. It's all Akudim, Bekliyachot, so there's no way to identify it. You can't give it a name. On the contrary, not knowing it is the best form of knowledge because that's the uniqueness of the man, that you're not defined in a particular name or a particular color. When you are defined, ultimately, how can they not be machlaikas? Unless you compromise yourself or you fight. So in Toyu you fight, and in Tikkun you give in. Toyu is confrontational. Toyu is a shoshanogach sapara. In Toyu there's bullfights. Vayimlach vayamaz, vayimlach vayamaz. Everybody has to be a king. And in Tikkun... We learn to appreciate each other because Tikkun again has a tremendous gili of Ein Saif. And when Ein Saif comes into Tikkun, Tikkun recognizes the need for diversity. But Akudim is how it is in the source. Akudim really combines the Maila of Toyo and Tikkun together. But you can't remain in the world of Akudim because Akudim is a world in which there's no differentiation. Akudim is a world in which there's no diversity. There's no real diversity because what's felt is the Ein Saif. And this restriction from Akudim to Toyo is a very deep leap. It's a quantum leap. Why can't you stay in Akudim? It's not boring at all. Some people, some people try to stay there as much as possible. Why can't you stay there? I mean, identity, no? We live in a world of identity. <laughs> the Tachlis ultimately is the Chdiriloy is Borat Betachdoinim to come into a world of fragmentation. Klau. Prat or klal. We go from the klal into the pratim. Individuation. We don't remain in our mother's wombs forever. If all of our brothers and sisters would remain in our mother's wombs forever, every family would be united. And the mama's boich shlach Unless you're Yaakov and Esau. But, but generally we would be united. But ultimately boys have to be born. Girls have to be born. And they ultimately have to establish themselves. Somebody wanted to ask something. I just, oh. I just thought that uh, it's like a question of well, why can't you stay there? It's like there's no you to stay. Nice. Uh, no. Nice. You see, he says, you say, why can't you stay there? He says, there's no you to stay. In other words, what he's saying is the very fact that you're asking the question means that you're not asking the question. <laughs> right? Right. Busted. <laughs> it, the, the question the question answers itself if you have the question then obviously you can't stay there <laughs> you can't, right <laughs> I think we tried a little bit but we're going to go there now so we have the two blessings of benching Birchas Haaretz and Birchas Hazan and this explains the key two points that he said in Birchas Hazan everything is Lashen Nister we speak in third person Baruch Atah Hashem, Hazon, Hu Noisen, not Ato Noisen, Hu Noisen, Betuvoy HaGadol, not Betuvcha HaGadol, Al Yechzer Lono, not Al Techzer Lono, 
etc., etc. Meitiv lakal, meichin mazer. In the second bracha, suddenly it's all noichach. Now suddenly Hashem is here. Noidelecha, not noideloi. Shein chalto, shoitzei sa, brischa, toiroscha. Right? Chaim chem v'chazet shechein antonu. Alakoyla nachnu moidim loch, mavorichim oisach. Suddenly it became noichach. So Balatanya says, this depends on a different issue, and that is suddenly we introduce the theme of moide, hoida, only the second brach. And this is based on the idea that lechem in aretz, we're already in a different paradigm. The paradigm is a paradigm of fragmentation. Kel deyo is Hashem, there is a machloikas. The machloikas is das elyon and das tachtoin. What is reality? From our perspective, lamato yesh or lamayla ayin. The tangible, the physical, the creation, that is reality. Divine energy, we call ayin. Even if we believe it exists, but our relationship to it is like a relationship to nothingness. That's the leap, that's the struggle. From God's perspective, it's exactly the other way around. Lamayla yesh, lamata, is simply a manifestation of energy. Lamata is ayin. It also exists, but it's ayin. It doesn't have, it doesn't have that validity. It's simply a... It's a certain aspect of energy. The higher you go up, the, the more you clean your lenses. The, the more you cleanse the doors of perception, the more the ayin becomes yesh, and the yesh becomes ayin. That's basically how life works. So, moidem anachnu lach is, that every day the Jew says, amoidem, not moidem only thanks, moidem as submit, acknowledge. acknowledge. I allow myself to be challenged by this idea. I allow myself to invite this idea because that's what Lechem and Aritz says. Birurim, boirer, I'm struggling. I have to struggle. The toyu broke and it does not tell me what it really is. It tells me that it's a yesh. It doesn't tell me that it's an ayin. I don't see unity. I don't see divine energy. I don't see transcendence. I don't see spirituality. I see insecurity. I see frailty. I see depression. I see decomposition. I see disintegration. I see melancholy. I see despair. Lenny, any other adjectives? You're depressing me. I see toxicity, exactly. That's what I see. Because Shemayim and Aretz is Ayin Liesh. Maiset Tzadikim is Miyesh Ayin. That's a whole different key. Hashem creates the world, we create the Mishkan. And as Abchanid ben Daisa says, for heaven to take back is much, much greater than for heaven to give. For heaven to create earth, okay, God is good at that. For earth to create heaven, ah, to give earth back to heaven, to bring that back up, that's the miracle of humanity. G'doylem tzadikim the Gemara in Ksuvis, and Maise Shemayim Varetz. Kotzke Rebbe once said, HaShemayim, Shemayim LaShem, V'ha'aretz Nosen Levnei Adam. So there's two types in Pashtus, Shemayim, Shemayim, Lashem is God. Heaven belongs to God, and earth belongs to man. Like a Yid once told Hashem, Hashem, Ich mish zich nishtarayin vas dutust in Himmel, du mish zich nishtarayin vas sich tu in the earth. I don't tell you how to run your business in heaven, don't tell me how to run my business on earth. They said that there was a Shnur who once called Rothschild at 5 o'clock in the morning. And he needs an Adava. The guy says, 5 o'clock in the morning for this stupid thing that you need? He says, listen, I don't tell you how to run your business. You don't tell me how to run my business. I'll call five o'clock in the morning. You'll think that it's an important, it's an important cause. The Kotzker Rebbe said, "As a Hashemayim, Shemayim, Lashem, heaven belongs to God. 
Heaven belongs to God. Earth, He gave to humanity that they should transform it into heaven. Ayin is ayin. Ayin is ayin. Hashem makes from ayin yesh that we should make from yesh ayin. As Alter Rebbe said, the Ebrister macht from ruchni is gashmius, kadei as Eden zol machen from gashmius ruchnis. God converts energy into matter, so matter should be converted into energy. That's the second bracha. This is noichach. Here I can talk, I can address the reality in front of me. Mm-hmm. It's already a level of restriction. Toyu and Tikkun are in my domain. The first bracha is the gift of man. I speak about it, Belosh and Nister. And that's a <coughs> tremendous recognition that certain things you have to speak about in third person. Right? In, um, in, in Losh and Kaidish, when you want to respect somebody, what do you say? You don't say Atta, right? You say, Kvodo Omer. But the guy is sitting right here. What do you say? Kvodo Omer. Kvodcha Omer. Because there's a certain recognition that is a part of you that's, that's I'm not going to wrap my brain around. There's something intangible here. There's something intangible here. There's something aloof. Yeah. What you said a minute ago in terms of Rukhini Vardosa, that... It, 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 yeah, that, but that's not... One is a Shvachta man, one is a Shvachta Boshom. You're saying that God gives the earth, he makes... But for him to take back is not so easy. That's a really big shvach. But that's a shvach on Hashem. When we say, G'dolom ha'asei tzaddikim yasem mishamarez, we're mishamech the tzaddikim, what they were able to accomplish. We're saying, G'dol, when you're saying that... Rojol no, no, back, a shvach to the person. The Gemara says there that the Nesa Acheren, that Reb Chanina ben gift was taken back, was greater than the first nest that it was given. Why? Because in heaven they have a policy. They give, they don't take back. That's what the Gemara says in Masechus Tainus. So the Balatanya is explaining, what does this mean? We need to have this policy. Because the idea is that the whole process of existence is God-giving. The process of him taking back is basically the human achievement. So even though we're phrasing it as God-taking yes, yes, back, it's really yes, of what we yes. were able to accomplish. Yes, in other words, what he takes back is something that looks like iron. Even what he's taking back is also part of giving. That's also true, of course, that's also true. But, but what he takes back is the yesh that came back into iron. What does it mean he takes it back? Let's understand what that means. We're not speaking here in graphic terms. He takes it back. He takes it back means it's something that is realigned with its source. We give it back, it's taken back because it goes back to its source. In other words, the yesh is realigned with the eye. But it's a form of tikkun. I mean, it's not... That's the process of toyu and tikkun. Huh? Mishkan. That is the mishkan. That's the mishkan. The Gemara says it on the Mish, on the Mikdash Ad that the whole world was one Yad and the Mikdash is two Yadah. The Gemara says this on the base of Mikdash. It's a Gemara in Ksuvah's Dafei. Maiset Sadikim is better than Maiset Shemayim Varitz because by the Shemayim Varitz it says he did it with his hand. Af Yadi. Yazdash Shemayim. My hand. And by the base of it says Koinu Yodecha. Both hands. Base of you need two hands and the whole universe you need one hand. For the solar system, one hand. And for the Beis HaMikdash, you need two hands? The Pshat is, yeah, because one is from Ayin Yesh, and one is from Yesh Ayin. You need two hands. It's, it's, a, it's a complicated avoid. So we have two brachas, two types of food. This is Moshe, this is Yeshua. Pnei Moshe kepnei Chama. Pnei Yeshua kepnei Levon. It's a different reality. Moshe is the face of the sun. In other words, the light is completely revealed. There's no tzimtzum. Pnei Yeshua kepnei Levona, basically it's nighttime. The Levona reflects the sun, but it's not the same light. This is already a process of toyo and tikkun. There's psoilus, tzlachim and aritz. This gives us a havana why the merag, you wanted to stay in Akudim. This is why the merag didn't want to go into Eretz Yisrael. 
we look at the Meraglim and we think that they were just rabble-rousers and sinners. The Meraglim had a very profound perspective. What they told the Jewish people is, why in the world would you want to graduate from Lechem and Hashemayim and go Lechem and Aretz? The Chidush Arim says, basically the Meraglim felt like an Edom of Kest. You know what an Edom of Kest is? In old Yiddish, the son-in-law lives by the father-in-law for 10, 15 years and he supported there. What do you have to leave your father-in-law's house? Everything is wonderful. What do you have to, in Ruchni, is what do you have to leave the world of Akudim and go into the world of Nekudim and Brudim? Eretz Echelas Yeshveha. That's what they said. What's that Eretz Echelas Yeshveha? Lechem in Haaretz will eat you up. It will eat us up and it will eat you up. In the world of the Midbar, they have Anani HaKavid, which is a graphic image of Akudim. All of Klal Yisrael is bound up in one vessel, which is Sukkot Eshafti, Anani HaKavid. That is literally a graphic image of Akudim. Not that they didn't fight in the mid, but they didn't stop fighting, so it didn't mamish, uh, uh, always match up with Hakudim. But the state of consciousness was one that they were capable of that, and they had Moshe there. And the truth is, as it's brought in Sifri Kabbalah, that it's an interesting thing. We look at the Miraglim as you know, great sinners and so forth. They achieved their goal for 40 years. For 40 years, they ate manna from heaven, and they had not a worry in the world. Imagine, they sinned and sinned and sinned and sinned. They rebelled. But you know what they got? For 40 years, the Jewish people enjoyed exactly what they wanted. The highest type of really utopian life with Moshe, with Aaron, with the man, with Anani HaKovet. 40 years radiating, basking and bathing in the divine presence, which they never had again later in, in history. So it's a very interesting thing. The Ramami Panu writes, the Gemara says, He says, because they were higher than Elam Haba. Okay, so now we come to the last, the last, the last phase of the Maimer, where he went from Lechem and Oretz, Lechem and Hashemayim, to the next aspect. And that was what? Shabbos. The secret of Shabbos. The secret of Shabbos is beyond Akudah. Why is it beyond Akudah? He says, what's the idea of Shabbos? Kivoy Shabbos. So he gave the marshal that we spoke about at length, that when a person works... Say a person writes, or a person runs, or a person paints. He projects, or she projects their energy outward on whatever they're doing. On the canvas, you're painting. On the floor, you're mopping. On the field, you're playing. On the mountain, you're uh, climbing. On the paper that you're writing. Or, or the computer, I would say, that you're typing. That's what you're doing. You, and it, your energy goes out, out, out onto that. And then there's a time of what we call Shabbos when you reclaim your energy. What do we mean you reclaim? Everything goes back. The energy has an aliyah. First it has a yirida, it goes outward, now it goes inwards. And where does it go to? It goes back into your core. And it goes even to a place that is sometimes deeper from where it came out. What do I mean by that? Say in writing, for example. If anybody here writes, you know, you write, you plan to write something. When you start writing, things are created in the writing that you couldn't imagine before. It unleashes a certain creativity. And then when you almost read what you're writing, things come back to you from the paper into you, like it goes into even a deeper place. It reveals even a deeper place than the one that was initiated when you started to write. So when that energy is, so to speak, reclaimed, when it comes back, it sometimes goes back even to a, a deeper place. So on Shabbos, what happens? Kivayachal. All the oilamas that are created during the Sheshes Yimei HaMaisa, 
the divine energy now goes up, so to speak, and it goes back to what he calls Koya Chakloli. Koya Chakloli means the source, the core, the essence. He calls it Koya Chakloli or Makif Chakloli or Koya Chakloli HaPashet, which is completely undefined. And he says that this is even deeper than Akudim, which is why the man does not come down on Shabbos. Why? In the Oasis of the Maimer, Akudim is Kalal. There's no differentiation whatsoever. In a Kalal, there's no differentiation. When I, somebody once told me about speaking. He said, when you get up to speak, yeah, you have to do three things. I'll quote this person. He said, in his uh, classic English, he says, tell him what you're going to tell him. Then tell him, then tell him what you told him, and sit down. Okay, you got it. Yeah. Klal prata klal. If you don't do this, you shouldn't open your mouth. Tell him what you're going to tell him. Then tell him. Then tell him what you told him, and sit down. Those three things. Problem is, most communicators do not do this. So, and that's why everything is a full circle. Klal prata klal. In the cloud, you have no protem. In the cloud, you may have one sentence, and that sentence may include four hours of information. You may have one mission statement, you have one line, you have one code, and that code includes everything. There's no differentiation. But what is the definition of the cloud? The mother of differentiation, the synthesizer of differentiation, the unifier of differentiation. In other words, akudim is part of the realm of ishtalshulus. It's part of the realm of differentiation, but the way it's, so to speak, in its embryo, where it's undifferentiated, where you still feel the Ein Saif, and hence, of course, there's no conflict, of course, there's no fragmentation. What's felt is the commonality, and that's therefore the greatest source of peace, but we're looking for peace. We're talking already words peace. Why do we talk about peace versus conflict? Because it's in a realm where there is potentiality for conflict. In other words, Toyo and Tikkun emerge from Akudim. Yes, they don't look like Akudim anymore, that's true. Kudim Lagabe, Tayo and Tikkun is quantum light years away, so to speak, spiritually speaking. Is there such an expression, quantum light years, or I just made that up? Now there is. Okay. I was just looking for some, some more some more intensity in the big, yeah. Light years is Nishgenug. Quantum is Eich Nishgenug. I thought together we'll be up Sashtikal Mahalach. Together it's you have to travel a little bit. So there's no question between Kudim and Tayo and Tikkun, don't. Let's not, don't make us such an easy shalom bias between them. Just because he went higher than Akudim, you don't have to put down Akudim. You have to just go higher, you know what I mean? You go higher not by putting down what you thought before, but by elevating yourself. That's important. So, uh, but this is the definition of Klal. Shabbos, he says, it's not Klal of Prat. Shabbos, he says, you go back to a place that's beyond a mucker. It's beyond a source. The Klal is a source for Pratim. And Shabbos is not even a source. In other words, it's not part of Ishtalshlus. It's Makif HaKloli, where Maila and Mata are the same, and it's Makif, everything with one Hashva, and therefore there's no man on Shabbos. Isaac, yes, Vashtay, still the difference? Huh? No? Okay. It's very interesting. It's really the model for how the Rambam, how the Rambam wrote the Yadachazaka. For each, before each Halacha, he had his little Koseras. Yes, 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 the Klal. Well, we don't call this Klal. The way the Rambam wrote his Mishnah Torah, if you see the Rambam's Yad Chazaka, from the Rambam's Mishnah Torah, you learn what Seder is. You don't only learn what he says, you learn what order is. Because he was an unbelievable Masudr, and he systemized Judaism. 
the Rambam systemized everything. So you see every halacha, he'll give a headline, let's call it Hilchas Tfilin Mezuzah V'Sefer Torah, right? Hilchas Shabbos, Hilchas Shemisus Aser, Hilchas Shoifah Sukkah Hilchas Kiddush HaKadosh. Before he begins, he gives a headline, a definition, the mission statement. Still, he doesn't start yet. Then he'll count all the mitzvahs that are in the Torah for this. In Torah, there's one mitzvah. In Torah, there's only a mitzvah, the Rabbana. He'll count the mitzvahs, and then he'll start off with his, uh, with his halachas. And also, divided by chapters, and each chapter divided by halachas. So yes, because all learning begins that way. Klal, prat, and then klal. What are you going to say? Say it, and then take me back to what you said. In other words, summarize. Nekudas HaTamtsis, it's called. And the last of Allah is like, like a Shemitah Biyoba. Allah, he says, Allah, he says something very lofty. Inspiration. About, inspiration yeah. about what he just said, taking it right. to, a, a to more existential yeah. level. Right, right. And more hashkafic, more in the day. And, 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 and almost every Allah at the end. Almost every Allah at that. And then Rabbi Yosheber says in Hilchis Chametz Matzah, he lost himself in the nostalgia of the Beis HaMikdash. <laughs> okay. So... So, they, so, so we have here. This is already beyond the man. So it's, that's why the man doesn't come down. The, the man doesn't come down. The man doesn't come down on Shabbos. Yeah. Just learned about the two. Ain't habar mesmalim echliyasa. Yeah, but this over here is much more the opposite. That when you give out, it comes back even more. Right, right, right. Okay, so now, I think to clarify this a little more, and to be able to appreciate how he's ultimately going to summarize all of this, I want to say a few words to try to apply this. To, to apply these 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 madreg, not madregas, but these know, states of consciousness, not really states of consciousness even, but I guess states of reality, we could say. We have Tikkun, we have Toyo, we have Akudim, and then we have Shabbos, which is even beyond Akudim, he calls it here Makif HaKloli, where Maila and Mata are completely identical. We're in Akudim, he didn't say Maila and Mata are completely identical, and everything is equal. Because ultimately, as we said in Akudim, it's a kalal where the ten spheroids are akud bekliyachat. You don't say in Akudim, infinite spheroids are bound up in one vessel. Why not? You say ten spheroids are bound up in one vessel. Because Akudim is re- really the way that the ten are traced back to their source. But it's finding the ten in the source. Where beyond Akudim, you're not finding the ten in the source. You're dealing with one. One does it have ten? Yeah, it has endless possibilities. Could be, could be. Why they had to? Why they had? Why why had the? Why was there a need for ten spheres? Maybe there should have been eleven spheres. Maybe there should have been one point one sectillion spheres. Yeah, there could have been. There could have been. Lepoel Hashem chose ten as the building blocks of the universe. But there could have been more. Could have been infinitely more. Akudim, you say ten in one vessel. Why ten? You're saying it's ain't soif. The pshat is because that's what akudim is. Akudim is akudim is a din in svidus. <laughs> when they use the yeshiva shalosh, akudim is is a din in the prat. In other words, that's what klal is. Ain bechalal elamasha befrat. 
Akudim is an uptight from the spheres. What do I mean it's an uptight? I said in the Shirim Fakert that in Akudim the spheres are an uptight from the Ein Saif. Right? Emes, that's the Chiddush of Akudim. Akudim is the way you touch up spheres as not being spheres as being Ein Saif. <laughs> Did that work? Yeah. It worked? Okay. In other words, in Toyo and Tikkun, the Taich of the Spheres is Spheres. In Akudim, the Taich of the Spheres is Ein Saif. But that's the Taich of the Spheres. <laughs> Akudim is, is, is a commentary on the Spheres. It's Taiching the Spheres. Don't think the Spheres are Spheres. The Spheres are Ein Saif. But it's telling me it's in the realm of Ishtalshalus. It's in the realm of identity. But it's not identity the way it's individuated. It's identity the way it's still submerged completely in the infinity and reflecting infinity, and hence there's no conflict. But what about the ultimate source? Then you don't talk about ten in one vessel. You don't even talk about a vessel. You're not even going to talk about a light. Emes and Akudim, you're not going to have ten vessels. You're going to have complete Achdos. But what's the Nekud of the Achdos? The Nekud of the Achdos is that it's Achdos. Achdos of what? Achdos of ten. And then you have the Pchinn of Shabbos, where everything goes back, so to speak, to its original source, to the Makif HaKloli, to the Koyach HaPashit, which transcends any form even of unity, of ultimate infinite integration. So really, in Shabbos, there was never even an idea of 10, because by Shabbos there still could have been 1.36 right. children. Yeah. Ten was only introduced yes. when you got ten, ten is introduced in Akudim. Again, not ten, ten, because in Akudim it's still Akud Echot. so we're not really calling it ten, because it's really one vessel, because what's sensed is one. And that would mean then that Akudim ultimately is in the world of Toyo and Tikkun. Now, I want to say here a few words about application. For this, I want to read something that somebody sent me. I hope I could find it. If not, I'll do it from memory. just a very precious email. I like to read what people write. <coughs> Let me see if I could find it. Okay. This was written to me by a therapist who some of you know. I'm just going to read it, and I'm going to just explain it a little bit, because it's, uh, it's a little complicated, okay? This mimer here about Akudim, etc., seems to me as the ultimate commentary on John Balby's attachment theory. One of the most respected theories in psychology in terms of understanding human development, human relationships, and marriage. John Balby postulated... Okay, let me just explain this so uh, everybody understands what's happening. Generally speaking, for thousands of years, the conception among much of the world was 
that when children are allowed to be too clingy, it undermines their development. You need to make children tough and independent. Till the 1960s, if a child was ill, even critically, and had to be admitted to the hospital, in Britain and in America, parents could not stay with the child. They can visit once a week for an hour or so, not more. It's hard for people to believe now. They sit there 24 hours. They bring Shalom Zachas, Medbris, and they make Bar Mitzvahs in the hospitals, and so on and so forth. They move in, they make Minyanim, they take over the hospital, they start dancing, etc. But an hour a week, parents could come for a child, and this was based on an idea. Based on ideas, you have to make people independent. In upper class Britain and Germany, children weren't allowed to eat meals with their parents. When you were 12 years old, you could come for dessert. And this was the way, the way I understood you create mention. On the contrary, when you cuddle children and you become a teddy bear and you embrace them and you hug them and love, 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 what you do is you create uh, dependent uh, souls, clingy souls, they can't take responsibility, they don't understand consequences, etc. There was a British psychiatrist who was born in 1907, I believe, Mm -hmm. and he died, you already looked it up? Okay. (laughs) But I didn't look it up, okay? <laughs> not now, not now. And he died 1990, probably, or in the 90s? September 2nd, 1990. September 2nd, 1990. <laughs> okay. And uh, he fought very hard to change this. He fought... He also grew up in such a home where he was allowed to eat dinner with his... Not to eat dinner, to come to dessert after uh, when he was 12 years old. He tried to fought this. He published uh, documentaries and films and they were almost banned and, and papers and theories. Apoyali was successful. And what's happened is that in the last uh, 20 years probably, or maybe more, but certainly last 10, 20 years, his theory in psychology is the dominant theory in therapy. Not just for children, but also for marriage. And everything completely was transformed. And his argument is going to sound very simple to you, but realize how he had to fight for this argument. His argument was it's the other way around. If you want children to be able to be detached one day, you have to give them an incredible sense of attachment. If they won't feel attached, they will never be able to become detached because they will always seek for attachment. They will always crave it, and it will be like a bottomless pit of need, of voids, that they will never be able to fill. And therefore, wherever they go, they will never have a sense of self. Because the sense of self depends on the self being connected to mommy or tati, or or a source of love, which is usually mommy and tati, a source of love. And therefore, the two-year-old, look at your two-year-old, the two-and-a-half-year-old, runs away from you in the house. Mommy says, come, 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 time to eat, come. He runs. But as he runs, what does he do? He turns around to make sure mommy or tati are chasing him, or at least looking at him. And then he runs further. What allows him to run further is the fact that he knows that somebody is looking at him. If that person starts stops looking, he also stops running. He comes right back. It's my attachment to my parent that allows me to run away from my parent. Now what happens if I didn't have that attachment? John Bowlby argued, I grow up and I'm bruised at my core. 
and I keep on looking for it. This was a big, big idea, very big idea. And as I said today to you, uh, uh, this I have heard from quite a few therapists, that this is the predominant theory, MS. Marriage therapy. Marriage therapy became like, okay? So this is... One of the most respected theories of psychology in terms of understanding human development. So Bobby postulated that at the core of all human development is the deep and pervasive need to be emotionally attached to another human being. This need for attachment is so strong that the equally deep and pervasive need for self-actualization becomes impossible without it. So we have two needs. I have a need to be attached and I have a need to be not attached. I want to be me. But I can't be me if I don't fill the other need, which is to be not me, to be attached. If you watch a two-year-old running away from its mother, you might often notice that he will stop and look back to see if the mother is running after him, or at least noticing him. If she is, the baby will continue running. If not, the baby might return to the mother. In his theory, the fact that the mother is running after the baby creates a sense of secure attachment, which then allows the baby to explore the world on his own. At the core of attachment theory lies a seeming paradox. Our need for independence is strongly dependent on our need for dependence. Our need for independence is strongly dependent on our need for dependence. And only in being dependent are we able to find our independence. And if we don't have the dependence, we could never become independent because we're always searching for it and we'll run. A child who never develops a secure attachment because of a dysfunctional childhood or whatever reason will be unable to self-actualize. For this person, any conscious attempt for self-expression, self-actualization, self-realization will be driven by a subconscious attempt at attachment. So if the person didn't find attachment, they're expressing themselves, but really what they're looking for is not for themselves. They're looking for attachment. And therefore they will actually often sabotage they will often sabotage their self-expression because really they don't have a self. So, for example, if this person will become a public figure, what they really need from the public is love. They can't really give. They can't lead. So really they're receiving more than they're giving because they don't have a sense of self. They make believe they have a sense of self, but really they need everybody for attachment. This person can't give in a marriage because this person so desperately needs to feel that he exists. And the only way he can exist is by attaching himself. So very often what happens is this person who doesn't have that sense of self will actually be driven by a conscious or unconscious attempt for attachment and any conscious attempt at attachment will be hindered by the lack of sense of self. In other words, who's attaching? When he tries to attach, he says, I don't even exist. I don't even count. I can't attach. So he can't even attach because he doesn't believe that there's a person who can attach. This ongoing tension of the relation between the need for love and attachment and the need for independence and self-expression lies at the core of so much of human pain and suffering. And most marital conflicts can often be traced back to some aspect of this theory. Where basically, when the husband and the wife also desperately need attachment, and they don't feel that attachment coming, and then there's a lot of pain that develops from that, and as a result of that, one cannot even be fully independent because of that damaged relationship and that damaged attachment. Now, Bobby saw this theory as part of evolutionary science. That is, the paradox in human development is simply an arbitrary quirk in the evolution of man. Basically, it's a mistake that we're this way, but we have no choice, because in evolution, 
over millions or billions of years, in order to survive, we had to be in groups. If you had cooperation, you had more chances for survival. On the other hand, you also want to be you, survival of the fittest. But in order to survive, you need cooperation. So therefore, he believed that evolution created this paradox in human nature. On one hand, we need to be attached. And on the other hand, we need to be detached. But since both exist, so therefore, unfortunately, one is dependent on the other. Our attachment is the cause for our detachment, and our detachment allows us to be attached, because we have a sense of self. But based on this Maimer, I now discovered that you have here this whole theory, but really you have here this theory from a whole different perspective. I begin to see human development as understood by attachment theory as a reflection of the cosmic evolution from Ein Soif through Akudim, through Toyu, through Tikkun. We each have our inborn and innate inner sense that our I does not have its own independent existence because it's rooted in Akudim. And in Akudim, there's no separate I. Yet at the same time, we're driven by the need to express the I as an independent existence because Hashem took Akudim and He morphed it into Toyu and Tikkun where there is independent, independent identity. And we spend our life somehow trying to make it all work. But we are living in a paradox. There's the Akudim voice in us that summons us to complete attachment to the point that we get lost in a reality that is beyond us. And then there's the Toyu and Tikkun um, idea which drives us for independence. According to this moment, it would only make sense that our neshama senses this dichotomy literally from the day we are born. This is not a mistake. This is not just it happens to be. This is actually the very core of existence that both are very real parts of the human personality. Attachment and detachment. So now... If you took him for it, then Toho would be the perfect case of the baby who thinks of nothing but himself. Right. His existence to the extreme, right. to the infinite. Right. So you can never fix this attachment later. later. Oh, oh. So here's, here's, here's the point I want to bring out. Here's the therapy. So here's the... F- okay, I'm going to be very brief now. Yeah, hopefully you'll get it. Uh, so now imagine, take for example a couple, right? He's talking about, John Bobby spoke about children, but of course as adults, this becomes, uh, this becomes a, very, a very real idea. Sometimes, sometimes we have both elements, yeah? You'll see sometimes in dating, where people are independent, so they seek attachment. <laughs> then they get married, they're attached, now they seek detachment. Because both are very real forces in life, and both need each other. So I need attachment. You need attachment. Both spouses need attachment. And now they have each other. But for attachment, there's a need for trust. There's a need to be able to get lost in you. There's a need for you to be able to embrace me unconditionally, like a child in the bosom of its mother. If I don't have that, what do I do? If I don't feel that safety in the marriage, if you don't feel that security in the marriage, what do you do? What do you do? You start telling yourself different messages. The first message is, I don't need this person. Bechlal, this person is, is crazy. This person is a sick person. This person is a Russia. This person is whatever. Dysfunctional. Why, what am I doing here? I'm trying to protect my pain because I'm not getting my attachment. But really, what I'm really saying is, I need you so much. The way I'm saying I need you so much is by saying, I hate you so much. I hate you so much because... I need you so much, and it's causing me so much pain. It's also very hard for me to be able to give to you. For that, I have to be a strong, independent person. It's hard for me also to self-actualize. 
So the two become very, very deeply connected, and it's like mamish, rotsi and shuv. Give a It's very hard for people to identify this in themselves because it doesn't look like attachment. Sometimes it looks very, very different. Now, now the real question though is. It's very true that uh, if you learn these Maimarim, and you'll see that this is a system that's in, in dozens and dozens of Maimarim of the Balatanya, he constantly goes back to this theme. Achtus, Pirud, back to Achtus. Attachment, detachment, back to attachment. For him, this is not only not a mistake, it's almost, it's the beat of existence. Dancing to the beat of existence means dancing to the beat of attachment, Detachment, attachment, detachment. Shabbos, weekdays, back to Shabbos. Everything is revolves in this because these are these are chords of the soul. The soul has different chords, and every chord has to be played. You have a violin; you have to play every chord. There's the chord of klal. There's the chord of prat. There's the chord of akudim. There's the chord of toyu. There's the chord of tikkun. You can't dismiss any part. You have to be able to embrace and include all of them. But here are two questions. Question number one is, what if you don't have this? What if you did not have attachment? And we know many of us struggle with this, struggle with having real attachment to be able to be really detached. We struggle with our identity because we struggle with attachment for whatever reason, early in life, later in life, abuse, other pain. The next question is, can the two ever really make peace? Can the two ever, is there a model for real integration between the two? Or is it ultimately a source of never-ending contention? And there, here is the uniqueness of Shabbos. You see, attachment and detachment are opposites. We are the opposites. They're opposites in a world where you contrast individuality from oneness. In that world where you make that contrast, you have tension. That tension begins in Akudim, not in Toyo In Akudim, you already have the beginning of the tension. Akudim solves the tension by saying, don't worry, we're all one. Yeah? Toyo accentuates the fact I'm going to say this sharply. Toyu is like the child who accentuates the subconscious issues of mommy and Tati. Toyu says that Akudim was suppressing individuality and it won't stand for it. You understand? It revolts against Akudim because there was suppression. It was fouled, so to speak. I'm using here, obviously, dramatic terminology that shouldn't apply to Akudim and Toyu, but that's really what's happening. Okay, so Toyu revolts, revolts and says, hey, 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 come on. Detachment is much more real. Detachment is much more real. And Brudim is like, you know, tries to bring the pieces together. Brings the pieces together. What the Balatanya is saying is that the real source of healing has to go to a place that's deeper than Akudim. Because deeper than Akudim, there's no tension between oneness and diversity. In Akudim, there is recognition of tension, so we flush out the diversity by saying we're one. In Nikudim, we don't flush out anything. We're going to fight this out. We're going to kill each other. 
and Brudim is like, whoa, this house is too dysfunctional for me. Let's just let's just let's just calm down. So when you will it, when they, everybody's fighting it out, Toh will, uh, will say, I'm not willing to sit down with that Kudim to try to make peace, but I'm willing to sit by by Shabbos. So, but there, I'm, there, there, I believe that there's, there's what so to speak. In other words, in the Makif HaKlali, there's no tension. I'm not a Kalal. In Akudim, it's a Kalal that makes Achdus from Protim. So it's already in the realm of Ishtalshalus where there is a concept of differentiation. In other words, there's a concept of detachment and hence a conflict between attachment and detachment. In the world that's deeper, there's absolute oneness. What do I mean by oneness? Not even oneness in the sense that it negates diversity. And therefore, that's a type of oneness that can coexist with diversity. That's the place where there is real unity between all of the forces. Because in the world of Kalal, I can't have Pratim. On the contrary, I negate Pratim to have the Kalal. That's what makes me a clown. And that's the beauty, that's the divinity, that's the Ein Saif of Avakudim. When you, but it's in the realm, in the realm of Ishtalshalus. Beyond Ishtalshalus, he says, it's makif hakol bashva achas. Mailan mata ashavin. You're not going to say that in Akudim. Akudim cuts out the mata. In the makif akloli of Shabbos, mailan mata could be shava. How can mailan mata be shava? Because there's absolutely no definition for it. Since there's no definition for it, not even the mocker of the ten, it's not I take the ten back to Achdos. It's a point of complete oneness. Here, it's not defined by this svit or by that svit. It's not even defined by any form of definition. It's not even defined by the fact that it unites. It doesn't have to unite. So therefore, in that nekuda over there, the attachment and the detachment actually perfectly live together. What do we mean they live together? They live together because they're really the same thing. What do I mean they're really the same thing? What's Peshat they're really the same thing? How can they really be the same thing? What it means is that in my complete self-identity, I can experience complete oneness. And in my complete oneness, I can, compl- I can experience complete presence. I think we have what to think about. (laughs) This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.